Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I am your host, Michael Cheney. I am also the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. Today, I have Miss Sarah Ross on with me. She is with Fresh Coat Painters out of Austin, Texas. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure. Yeah, you got it. So we got to meet at the uh, Women in Paint Nashville event, which was amazing. And we were just kind of chatting about kind of our takeaways. And you even said it was almost like therapy uh, because what happens is you get to be around people and you realize, uh, at least for me, I got to realize that, you know what, I'm doing some things right, maybe, or at least I'm doing some good things that I can share. And then maybe I'm doing some things that are not so great. And I just got a, an idea from someone, uh, you know, at the table, what's uh, kind of what was your takeaway or, or let me ask you this more specifically, did you leave that event and apply anything that you learned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say, yes, just, just like you said, I call it group therapy, right? Because it, you realize we're not in this alone. There are many others out there that, just like you said, maybe they're doing something better. Maybe they could use some some mentoring and we can benefit from talking to one another. So, yeah, I've actually had a couple one-to-ones out of it um, nice. and, and was able to share some information on what we're doing. And learned a little bit about a lean process from another owner. And so that those after conversations, I think have been just as valuable as the conference itself. Yeah, totally. And you presented with Tara. And one of the things that really stuck with me was just how transparent you, you both were and how you were just kind of really willing to kind of share where you're at in your business and what your goals are. Um, before we dive into that, uh, tell us how you got into the painting business. I know you were in a completely different industry. So how'd you wind up uh, at Fresh Coat? Sure. So uh, my background was in the world of accounting. I did uh, corporate accounting for about 11 years as a CPA and really just reached a burnout point with that. I was working those 12, 13, 14 hour days for somebody else and finally thought if I'm going to work this many hours, I might as well be doing it for myself. But kind of wanted to break away from the world of accounting and try something new. So I really just went franchise shopping. Uh, we didn't have a ton to invest, but we had a little bit. And I, I kind of looked for industries that I felt would be okay if the economy took a downturn. Mm. And I felt like this was was one of them. We checked out several different franchises, but I, I had also moved to the Austin area about 10 years prior to that and knew I wanted to stay in Austin. So some of the franchises we looked at, the opportunities in Austin were already taken and luckily, Fresh Coats wasn't. Uh, there was one franchisee here at the time, so had the opportunity to speak with her and was also um, empowered by the fact that it was another woman in the business. And uh, my territory was going to be bumping up against hers, so I wanted to make sure we could 
work together and ultimately settled on fresh coat. It was just, I liked the model. I liked the concept. We had actually gone through a remodel on our, our house. And although we're do it yourself first, there were things we weren't able to do and we needed mm -hmm. to hire for. And we had some bad experiences. You know, there's, there's a, a stereotype for a reason, I think, on a lot of the trades. And uh, we just had some unreliable, undependable contractors. And I thought, you know what, this is an industry that I think I can get in. I can learn what I don't know, right? It's not something too techy that's going to go over my yeah. head. And then it's also a, a, a process that I felt like I could manage. I could make the homeowner feel more at ease that they were in the right hands, right? That they had hired the right company. And so uh, those were kind of my main drivers. And then it fit the budget too. <laughs> we yeah. to afford the franchise. Yeah, totally. So it sounds like you didn't really have much pain experience. You maybe you're a DIY or so maybe were you painting in your own home? Exactly. You know, I heard you talk about how, how your mom kind of got you into painting in, in your own home. And yeah, we had done painting for our, ourselves, for friends and family, uh, certainly weren't professional painters. I learned a, a ton my first year in business from my professional painters. Um, but yeah, we, we enjoy the process. It's certainly something I think painting for most, it's either one of those things you find relaxing or mm -hmm. you find it extremely frustrating. And it's something that I always found relaxing. So, uh, yeah, I like doing it as a, a DIYer, but was certainly not a professional painter. Yeah, totally. So um, the other thing you touched on, and I always like to have this conversation, but, um, you know, the trades kind of overall get a bad rap. Um, sometimes it's probably well-deserved, right? And even within the trades, I always feel like painting is kind of the low man on the totem pole, at least in the area I'm in, which is Columbus, Ohio. You don't have to have a certification. Like there's really no training. Anyone can call themselves a painter. Whereas at least with some of the other trades, like plumbing or electrical work, you have to have a certification, right? You have to kind of go through a process to get the title. Um, and for me, you know, part of the mission, even with this podcast is to to show that painting is a real skill. And I know that you align with me on that. Um, and, and it sounds like your business has a big focus. And I know this is just fresh code as a whole of creating a good experience for the customer. Um, kind of talk about that and maybe how you do create a good experience um, so that folks don't have maybe the same experience you had when you were remodeling your house. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Here in Texas, we don't have to be licensed or have any particular certification to call ourselves a painter either. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, the, there's the stereotype for a reason and some of those fall within that. I like to say we're here to debunk the stereotype, but, um, you know, there, there's a, a handful of things that I can say right off the bat that we try and do as part of Fresh Coat to to really set the customer's expectation up front that, that they're hiring the best of the best, right? And um, Fresh Coat, one of the things they teach us right away is what they refer to as the rule of threes. And it's answer your phone within three rings, be able to go on a quote within three days and be able to start a project within three weeks. So mm -hmm. the very first one, we answer our phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it can be extremely frustrating when you're trying to get a hold of a contractor, even just to get a bid and you can't get the phone answered. So we do use an answering service um, that, you know, that comes with its flaws too, right? It's it's an answering service. So it's not you answering the phone. They don't know mm -hmm. everything about you, but, but it gets the phone answered. And if it's just somebody wanting to book a quote, they can certainly handle that. And we have three estimators on our team that estimate in particular zip codes that they're assigned. So they can even handle 
answering the phone. If they mm-hmm. want to book a quote, which zip code are you in? Let's get you on the right estimator's calendar. And they do a great job at that. So it, it gets the phone answered. So we kind of set the ex- expectation up front. We're going to answer your call. If you need something, we're going to be here, right? If you need to reach us, you're going to be able to get a hold of us. Um, and then being able to go on a quote within three days, you know, there's a lot of times you're trying to book a quote for something and you just, you can't get a solid mm-hmm. time or you get that standard window right? Of, from, I think that the typical is from the cable company or internet company, you get the window of eight to mm-hmm. noon noon to four, which just ties up most of your day, we're going to set a time and we're going to be there at that time. And, you know, of course we run into traffic and things happen and we're going to call and explain if that's what's going on ahead of time. But our goal is to show up on time hundred percent of the time, right? So just right there, setting that expectation with the customer that we value your time. So we're going to show up when we say we're going to show up, we're going to get in and out and let you back to your day, right? Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. And then, you know, from actually producing the project, we just want to make sure we're hiring professional painters and that we can manage that process and the quality control to make sure they're getting a good finished product. And I love doing that part of it. We now have project managers on our team that that's their primary responsibility is quality control and just making sure the project is progressing as it should. So uh, that oversight just lends so much comfort to myself and our mm-hmm. customers that the project is going to go smoothly. And when it doesn't, because there are times it doesn't, right, we can act quickly. We can can get it taken care of and addressed. I'm glad you kind of started to touch on your structure because that's how those those, that's where we get a lot of questions, Uh, especially when people are, are growing, they're just getting started even once they're, you know, kind of in a growth phase. But so it sounds like so you've got three estimators. You how many project managers do you have? We have two. Okay, and they're in charge of quality. Um, and what else is the role of the project manager on your team? It's it's really that customer facing role mm-hmm. once we've sold the project that's not the painter, right? Yeah. Now, both of my project managers have come through the world of painting and they can jump in and paint if they have to. Or if it's a minor touch up that we're called for, they can take care of stuff like that. But their primary responsibility is to make sure the job runs smoothly, the project runs smoothly once once we've won it. So uh, they they order the material, they pick up the material, they get it to the, the job site along with sundry so that we make sure yeah. our owners aren't having to leave the job site to go to the paint store to pick up another brush or pick up another roll of tape. Uh, so they're there making sure it gets kicked off smoothly. They're reviewing the project plan with our customers so that we're on the same page one more time before we get started about exactly what we're doing, what colors going where, all of that. And then they check in on the job site daily to make sure, you know, it's progressing as it should. The quality looks to our standards, making sure the customer knows where we are on schedule, you know, mm-hmm. wrap up a little early or we're going to take another day for some reason. That just that communication with the customer. I think um, as we scaled before I had the project manager role in place, that was something that started to lack, right? I, yeah. I, I wasn't able to touch base with every customer every day. And although the project may have been going smoothly, I realized that they were a, a lot of them were needing that communication. They they we knew things were going smooth, but I needed to let them know. And and that was slacking because I was just out of time in my day. So when we added that project manager role, it really helped just the overall customer satisfaction. 
Yeah. Customer experience. It sounds like you guys kind of have a great handle on that. Um, now, do you run a full employee model or do you subcontractors as well? We have a combination of both. So okay. we do have some full-time employees on our team and then we have subs that are used when, uh, you know, we, we just have so much work. We can't get to those projects within mm -hmm. three days or three weeks, sorry, uh, because we really don't want to be booked out further than three weeks. Or again, we're just losing customers, right? Yeah. There's customers out there that don't want to wait that long or can't wait that long, especially when we were all in the boom of the, the residential real estate market going like crazy. They couldn't wait three weeks to get that listing painted. They needed it done yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Wait, and you know, I, I, I always say like in the world of Amazon Prime, where people can order something and get it by noon, like you can't let people wait nowadays because they just won't. They will find someone else to do it. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, so in terms of, uh, well, let me ask you this. What do you, what in your view, it, what's the benefit to employees and subcontractors like, or, or what even maybe what, what the pain points are, um, you know, what, how do you kind of view those two different roles within your business and, and how do you kind of maybe even foresee that unfold as you continue to grow? Sure. That's a good question. And I think, um, a lot of people perceive that there is a big difference. And obviously there's the, the definition and the, the IRS mm -hmm. definition of an employee versus a sub. But for us, they're pretty much the same. They're treated mm -hmm. the same. They're respected the same. Our, our employees have been with us longer. Um, they're, they're tenured, you know, mm -hmm. they, we, our first priority is to keep them busy full time and then bring in the subs, right? So there's that little bit of difference in tenure with us, but honestly, the subs we've used, we've known for years as well, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're family too, <laughs> for lack of better way to say it. Um, they just may not be here every week, week after week, right? Um, but as far as, you know, pay model, you know, obviously, if they're an employee, you're covering the employer piece of payroll tax. If they're a sub, they're covering that. But you're basically paying for that for them to cover it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's really any big benefit one direction or the other when it comes to the expense of it. You should be paying both fairly and it should end mm -hmm. up really being a wash, whether it's an employee versus sub. Um, so both really work for us. I encourage people to look at both, obviously look at the IRS definitions to make sure you're not, not cutting out taxes that you need to be paying. But I think both can really work in this industry. Yeah. I'm so glad that you framed it like that because I think there's, you know, even a stereotype around using subcontractors and sometimes the perception is you're, you're grabbing someone off the street, you're throwing your shirt on them and you, you don't have control over quality or customer experience. Um, and I know that that's not true, but I'll be honest and tell you that there was a time when I bought into that kind of head trash uh, and I had to reevaluate my take on that. Um, but I'm with you, you know, you use subs, they're part of your team. You know, you can still develop subs. You can still, um, you know, it's just as important that they succeed because they need to be, you know, they need to succeed in order for you to succeed. So I love the way that you frame that out. Um, you know, what people often say about employees, and 
I don't know if this is your experience or not, but that it's a bit harder to manage cost of labor, right? Especially if you're paying people hourly versus maybe paying people by the job. Do you have any insight or even maybe suggestions on how, how do you manage your cost of labor with your employees um, to, you know, keep them moving and keep them showing up each day and completing production and balancing quality? Sure. Yeah, we do follow a pay by the job structure, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So we have to track hourly uh, because we, we have to report into the IRS what their actual mm -hmm. hours were that were worked. Um, most of the time, our painters are efficient enough at a project that they can beat the clock, beat that, mm -hmm. that quoted amount of hours by an hour or two. So they know if they do that, they're working efficiently, they're still providing quality work that they're going to make a little extra money by mm -hmm. doing that, right? So they want to beat that clock. They're not writing it out in that case when you do a pay-by-the-job model. Sometimes we had projects go over. Now, when that happens, my project manager is involved, right? So I have that that clear picture from the project manager of why did we go over, right? Mm -hmm. Did we miss something in the bid? Did, did you know, the, the customer ask us to... to move a few pieces of furniture that took 30 minutes longer. You know, what was the case, right? As yeah. long as it's something that I can say was either something I just want to give to the customer in that case then, or something that I can say, okay, yeah, we, we did miss that in the bid. Then obviously I'm going to pay my guys for the overage. So there's still instances where we go over on hours from what we quoted and I'm going to pay it. But yeah. if they're not working efficiently, the pay by the job structure really points that out very quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, thankfully we haven't had to replace any of our painters in three, four years. Um, we've had a consistent team, but when we were going through that process, it very clearly lays out which of your painters aren't working efficiently yeah. or are dragging out that clock. If they're not able to beat the amount of time or come in at the amount of time the project was quoted for, then they're probably not the painter for us. Right. Now, when you have a system like that, does it kind of, I guess you can identify the weak link on the team and, and how does that play out with the rest of your team? Like, it sounds like you've got, you've got a great team here. So if there is, you know, you know, the saying, the sports saying something like, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest player on the bench. If you've got a weak player on the bench, what is the dynamic within your team? I'm interested to hear that. Yeah, uh, we, we kind of have a mantra of coach them up or coach them out. Hmm. So either, you know, we're, we're they're coachable and they're willing to learn uh, or they're not. And, and hmm. sometimes that's just an age thing. I've found that some of the younger painters they want to learn, right? If there's a more efficient way of doing it, and I don't mean to completely stereotype there, but they seem to generally be the ones that want to be efficient, want to learn, want to make that extra hour of pay if they can beat the clock, right? So if if they're coachable, then my project manager is going to work with them. I'm going to work with them. Our lead painter is going to work with them and say, look, we didn't beat the clock on this particular project. Let's figure out why and let's game plan a little bit better for the next project, right? Maybe maybe they just need a little bit more shadow time. They need to watch the lead painter. I, you can learn so much by just observing. Just stop physically doing and observe for an hour, right? right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes they just need more coaching. Sometimes they're not willing to change. And it doesn't mean they're a bad painter most of the time. Usually they're still doing quality work. They're just not efficient enough for us. Right. So 
let's switch gears just a little bit, although it's very connected to what you're talking about. Hiring. Um, that's a big topic for people. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that you have to learn. You have to, to learn how to become good at hiring. What are some of your hiring secrets? How do you get the right team on the bench? Sure. Uh, and, and like I said, I feel very thankful that I haven't had to go through that process in a few years because we've been able to, to maintain our team and kind of just grow internally. But Regardless, uh, there's a lot of things that I learned over the years. I remember when when I bought into Fresh Coat 10 years ago and went to the training at Fresh Coat, one of the things they coached us on for looking for painters was go back, go to your mm -hmm. Sherwin store, go to your Benjamin Moore store, go to your paint stores that you plan to use, ask to take the manager to lunch, and then ask the manager who are the good painters that may not yeah. be keeping themselves busy, right? And, and that was actually how I got my very first painter. He only ended up with me about a year. Um, and then he got to where he was keeping himself busy. And it was just him and his wife. Um, so they both came on as employees with me. And I learned a ton from mm. them. Uh, but over the years, um, my my approach changed really. Um, one to tell you, I mean, we used all avenues, right? We continued yeah. to talk to our Sherwin stores. We put up signs at our paint stores. We uh, used Craigslist, which my guys would laugh about, but I have a painter who just, we just celebrated nine years with him and and he came from Craigslist and, and I adore him. Um, you know, so even Craigslist back nine yeah. years ago worked. Uh, Facebook, but honestly, what it boils down to now, and the reason I say we've been able to just kind of add on internally when we needed to, is once we, and I say we weed out probably about four bad painters, inefficient painters before we find one good one. So don't get discouraged. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you out there that are looking, you will burn through some before you find the good one. Yeah. But once you find the good one and you show them respect, you pay them on time they're going to stick around and they're going to start recruiting for you. And so now when we need painters, that's all I have to do really is tell our team, okay, we need another painter. Who do you guys know? Right. And, yeah. and generally they're going to be able to come up with someone who either, you know, they may not be happy where they're at or they're looking for something full time and it just, it naturally continues to grow. So just burn through the bad ones, keep the good ones and, and it'll happen. Uh, the one other thing that I'll, I'd like to share on that is um, I, I kind of ended up getting into this tryout week. And mm. basically I realized after interview after interview, most of them know what to say. Right. So they could tell you in an inter interview um, what you needed to hear, but in mm -hmm. pain, it really comes down to action. Right. I just needed to get them on a job site. And so I got comfortable enough with my crews that I could say, hey, crew leader, I'm going to throw one new person on your team today and we're going to see how it goes. Right. So that person, that new person was never on a project alone. Yeah. Uh, I always knew I had a team to fix whatever they may do wrong if something went wrong. But I basically started calling it a tryout week. We're going to do a phone interview. We're going to do an in-person interview. And then we're just going to get you into a tryout week. You may not like working for us either, right? Yeah. We're very focused on quality. And so I don't want you to feel trapped either. At the end of the week, I can say it's not a fit. You can say it's not a fit. If we both agree it's a fit, great. We're moving forward, right? So don't be afraid if you've got a situation to try them out on try them out or go to one of their job sites and see their yeah, work. Don't I like that. Into the words. I like that, you know, because then obviously the team gets to see how they, 
you know, are, are acting even maybe how they're acting with customers. And yeah. uh, you kind of get to see those those other things when you're really in the job. Now, you've also hired the estimator position and project manager position. Um, how do you how do you make sure that you're finding people to align with your values? Right. So you kind of touched on, you know, you can ask all the questions, right? Um, I mean, I can't tell how many times people have sat across from me and said, Oh yeah, I have 25 years of painting experience and I'm good at this, this, and this. And then you're like, I, I think maybe we think of quality in different terms, but you know, when it comes to values, those things are hard to identify through a conversation. If uh, you remember at the uh, Luna painting event, I talked about this and talked about how I got my biggest learning lesson this year based on values. Any insight you can give us on how you hire to make sure you align on those things that are kind of outside of, of the brush? Yeah. And, and Michael, I, you probably recall, I shared a similar experience at a conference where the very first estimator I hired was not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took me a little while to see that, but when I finally saw it, I took action quickly, similar to your story, right? So um, I, I learned from that. And basically all my other hires after that were referred to me. Mm -hmm. um, so it was someone knew someone. Uh, yeah. For example, my next estimator, she came from a color consultant that we worked with. And she said, you know, there's an estimator working for one of your competitors that I think would be a better fit with you. <laughs> Yeah, And so, you know, luckily we were able to steal her away. Um, but, you know, she was already vetted, basically. Um, yeah. So I, I would look for those. I would put, you know, when you're ready to hire, put those feelers out there that you're ready to hire to people who know you and already mm -hmm. know your values, because they're going to refer people that they know that have similar values, right? And uh, my top producing estimator right now is um, a BNI referral, which is Business yeah. Network International, if you're involved in that. And I just said at my BNI meeting, I don't need a referral for work this week. I need a referral for an estimator on my team. And the flooring gal in my BNI chapter said, I think my husband might be a fit. And I tell him all the time, I say, your sales approach would never work on me, but it <laughs> works on our customers beautifully. And I, I get, phone calls about him all the time, just raving about the, the conversation the potential customer had with him, right? They're not even customers yet. And they're raving about him. Uh, so again, it just goes back to asking the people who already know you who they know, uh, in most cases. And then my final estimator is my twin brother. So <laughs> I know him very well. Uh, we're, we're actually complete opposites, but he's very good at what he does do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so what, you know, I told you the 30 minutes was going to go fast. We're almost there. I got a few more things to throw at you though. What at this point in, in your business, what's the most uh, challenging or difficult thing you're facing uh, right now? What would that be? Definitely right now, I think it's the, the number of leads coming in, quality leads coming in, um, in this economy. You know, I told you at the very beginning when I went franchise shopping, I was looking for an industry that I thought would do okay in an economical downturn. And I think that's being tested a little bit right mm -hmm. now. I, I definitely believe we're going to come out of this economical downturn, but I, I think we're in it for another year or so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're trying to branch out, as you and I have discussed, a little bit into commercial repaint and not just focus so much on residential. We're fine tuning who our customer base really is that isn't affected by the economy. But I would say just working through this economical downturn is is our biggest um barrier that we're facing right now. 
Okay, very good. What kind of networking do you do? So you're involved in BNI. Anything else that you do on a regular basis? Yeah. Uh, so the the next biggest thing we do is networking with realtors. So mm-hmm. we're an affiliate business in three different realtor associations in our area. Um, that definitely takes time, right? Realtors uh, typically have somebody that they like to refer or are comfortable with. And I just tell them we want to be your backup, right? Should that that referral partner you have for painting lets you down at some point or not be able to get to a project in a particular window that you need it. We just want to be your backup. I don't ever want to come between a relationship. Um, but those are really good networking opportunities with realtors. And you'll you'll see other um, affiliate businesses in there mm-hmm. that are good to network with too, right? Color consultants, interior designers, uh, even um, home inspectors have been great yeah. for us. Uh, and then, of course, the chambers. We, we're still active in our local chambers. Very good. All right. Last but not least, I ask everybody this question. So what do you do for Sarah to take care of yourself to make sure you can show up every day for your team and your customers and make sure everybody's getting the best experience and you're treating all of your, your painters in, in the amazing way that you do? How do you take care of yourself so that you can show up and be your best? That's a good question for everybody, Michael. I think uh, you're not, what little bit I know about you already, I think you're and I answer would be very similar. Uh, we have planned vacations. Uh, the, the first few years in business, I didn't take any vacations to really get it ramped and scaled and get those estimators and project managers in place so that I did feel comfortable taking a vacation and that my painters would still have consistent work. Uh, but after that, it was vacations. We take two week-long vacations a year. Uh, That gives me something to look forward to, some time to regroup. I know you talk about when your people go, there's no laptops and phones allowed Mm -hmm. on those trips. And I think we all need that time to really uh, just reset. Um, And I I want my painters to take that time too. When they have a family function they want to take off for, I want them to take off. Um, So we all need to, to regroup. And I think my best way of doing that is to have those vacations to look forward to. I'm with you on that. Any favorite vacationing spots? Definitely Puerto Vallarta. Okay. What about yours? Well, I, I mean, I love Mexico. I've been spending a lot of time in Playa del Carmen, uh, uh, which is, yeah, my, my favorite spot. Um, so, yeah, but I, I hope to travel in other areas of Mexico too. So, yeah, but I'm with you on that. Sun, beach, can't beat it. Exactly. Um, well, listen, our time is up. Unfortunately, we have now completed another Women in Paint podcast. So if you are not following us on our Facebook page, make sure you do. It's Women in Paint. Lots of great uh, connections there and advice. You can ask questions. It's a very supportive group. So make sure you check out our Facebook page. And then also we've got the PCA Expo coming up at the end of February in Orlando. Sarah, are you going to that? I'm going to try and make it. Our Fresh Coat <laughs> Conference is in March. So it'll be a busy uh, Q1. Okay. Awesome. Um, All right, folks, that's it. We've ended another episode today. Uh, We will see you here next week. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 